0: We're in the series, All Things New. I've been loving this principle, this series, is truth, because as I am being led to verses and meditating on them and studying and learning, it's realizing how much there is in terms of depth to this reality that we are new creations. Again, we could say things and believe them and read the verse, but not really totally know what that means on a daily basis. It's the daily basis. It's the trenches. It's the life that we live day in and day out is where this reality comes to life. And the more we know about what has changed, the more our focus can change each morning, each day in terms of, well, everything. It's a complete paradigm shift. And so Paul in First Timothy says this in verse 12. He goes, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me Because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. But, always look out for the buts of Scripture, because often there's good news that comes. But I obtained mercy, because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Guys, let's stop right there what he is doing what he is saying what he is uh, testifying to is so important for us and we will uncover this unpack this more but first of all as we read this many of you maybe who have already are very familiar with the bible that doesn't really touch you because you know that paul was a persecutor of the church and that jesus met him on the road to damascus knocked him off his mule or donkey or whatever he was riding struck him blind and then he became a believer in Jesus and then became an apostle now so we see this like oh yeah that's the great news but what he is doing is so important for us because he in this again is owning a very much a point of shame in his life He is owning the fact that he persecuted Christians, that he spoke evil of them, he slandered them, he harassed them, he troubled them, he mistreated them, he showed them no respect, he insulted them, he injured them, he jailed them. This is not a past that he was like, oh, look at me, guys. Look what I accomplished before Jesus. No, he was basically saying, I was the antithesis of an apostle. I was doing everything to destroy the church, not grow it. But yet I thought what I was doing was right. But he is owning what enabled him to be an apostle, to be gifted with this ministry, and it was the grace and the mercy of God. The grace and mercy of God is demonstrated even more in light of Paul's past you see his sin elevates the glory of the gospel he never shied away from it if he did it would become about him but the reason paul is so rooted in grace why he was so rooted in the gospel is because he was the worst of the worst i don't know if it gets much worse i used to kill you and i loved it no what okay Let's look at Acts 26. Paul giving a little more detail about his life before Jesus. Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them and I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. Whoo! That's quite a past, right? But aren't you glad you know this? Who would say this elevates and proves the gospel even more? I mean... He was not a man who already was doing fine and not doing things that were shameful. He was a man that was literally on the opposite side of the Lord's agenda, working against it, hurting people, persecuting people, causing them to reject Jesus or trying to. He was the worst of the worst. People feared Paul. If Paul was coming and he was at your door, it was bad news. And now Paul is here saying, Guys, this was who I used to be. But God, Jesus, has given me this ministry. Now, this is really important. Because in verse 14, he continues and he says this. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. And then he says this. This is a faithful saying. So my, my, my antennas are up going, okay, this must be important. Pay attention. Okay, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save what? Sinners of whom I am chief. What does that mean? Here we go again. This is a faithful saying. And worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. So the prerequisite of being a child of God is being a sinner. Do you know that? Because Jesus had to come, or we couldn't be child, children of God because we were sinners. We were separated. So therefore, Jesus came not to save the righteous who didn't need saving, which was nobody. He came to save sinners. And Paul is like, I'm chief given what I did. We cannot forget this key truth about who we are. Or else we lose the power of the gospel in our lives. Because I think many of us can wrestle with shame in regards to who we used to be and what we struggled with. Because it seems like everybody around me didn't have those struggles. And it's a source of shame that actually creates a prison And what it does is it robs you of the glory of salvation and the goodness of grace and the power of the Holy Spirit that says redemption is a real truth. And your sin now is a testimony that reveals the power of God. And we still struggle, amen? Amen? This is what we have to understand. You can't be ashamed of the struggle still because you're being transformed. In church, for some reason, it's like we get around each other and we're afraid to find certain people to let them know that we're struggling because we're ashamed instead of going, I'm convicted, I need help, and I trust people not to judge me to help me through, because this process will be help for somebody else. But we hide and we deal with it in the dark corners of our lives and allow it to be something that keeps us from actually being who we are in Jesus. And some of our pasts are gnarly. But some of all of our pasts are without Jesus Jesus came for us because we were sinners. We are a work in progress. We are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. We are the righteousness of God in Christ, and he is working in us to conform us into the image of Jesus. And along the way, it is a, it is a journey of conviction and then obedience, right? And we don't conquer everything with one step. Sometimes it takes time, right? But that time is testimony, For somebody else. But Paul is saying, it is so important that I remind you of who I was, to remind you of the unthinkable, unimaginable, almost like the grace and love of Jesus is beyond what we're kind of really comfortable with. It makes no sense that Paul was an apostle. Like it makes no sense. He, it should have been given to like one of his disciples that followed Jesus for three years. Now, you go and speak to the Gentiles. No, he picked Paul, who thought Gentiles were scum. <laughs> well, yeah. How do you see your past? And your past may be two weeks ago <laughs> or yesterday. Are there mistakes in your life that you have made that you are constantly raking yourself across the coals about? And you use it somehow to disqualify you as a person born again with all things new. That there is no shame in Jesus. God wastes nothing. You know that? He works everything for his good who are called according to his purposes. Don't hide in shame. We all have a past. And if we judge others for their past, then you need to go get saved. Just saying. Then you do not understand the Spirit of God and mercy and grace. So, this is important. So important. He says this. However, for this reason, I obtain mercy. That in me first, Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern, a form, a sketch to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Now, to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Do you hear what he is saying? He took the worst of the worst, he took Paul. He took the one that was filled with hatred towards the church of Jesus, converted him into the way, gave him the ministry of reconciliation so that his life could be an example to all who might come to faith saying, if God was patient and long-suffering with me, he is totally long-suffering with you. This is how good our God is. He took me, and through mercy, and through grace, and through patience and long-suffering, I was saved, I was cleansed, and I was given this ministry. You see, he says, it's good that I was so wrong. (laughs) Because it demonstrates the glory of God, right? The power of the gospel. Was Paul qualified? No he was qualified in Jesus. And then he just corrected his passion into the right direction. But again, he understood the bigger ramification of what his ministry was about. And it was like, because of who he was, it showed everybody who God is. And that's for all of us. Who you were, sh- I want to say this in a good way. Don't be ashamed of who you were because of who you are now. Because who you were shows who God is. Don't be ashamed of who you were because of who you are now. Because who you were shows how God is. And so we have to understand our lives find even more purpose when we understand what we have been redeemed from. And we're honest about it. We don't hide it. But I think many of us can feel intimidated if we're in a situation to even begin to share things about our past because everybody, no one else is saying anything about their past. So am I the only one that struggled with this stuff? Right? No! No! It's part of who you are. It's part of the ministry of what God has given you. Your past is your ministry now. It is. Paul's past became what his ministry was. Paul's past became the agent to say, God's glory, God's mercy, God's grace is so big, so powerful, so good that it changed me. And now I am being utilized by God himself for this ministry of the new covenant. Wow! So, we have a testimony, don't we? We have a testimony. You have a testimony. Yes, Jesus saved you. That's, 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 we all have that part of our testimony in common, if you've received Jesus. What did he save you from? Well, sin, yes. The grip of sin. Giving us a new way. We don't have to be slaves to those sinful impulses and sinful ways anymore, that there's a new way. But man, what were those impulses? What were those things that you were enslaved to? Because that can minister to somebody now that could be struggling. That could be a sign of hope as you be who you are in Jesus and own every part about you instead of keeping the sense of shame. You could say, I wish I did not Yeah, that, that, that's different. But to use it at, as this anchor around your neck that says, somehow, I'm not as good as everybody else because I had this struggle. <laughs> and you might hear that, sound, no, 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 no. I don't think that. But you might actually functionally walk that out. See, that's, there's liberty in Jesus. And you know when you have conquered, and you know when God has done a change in you, when you really know, like, you know what, I actually want to talk about what I used to be in bondage to because I'm not even in that anymore. I want people to know there's hope. You don't have to live like that. Jesus' power is real, and man, was he patient with me. But here I am. But some of us can forget (laughs) what we've come from this is why it is dangerous also to have these principles of uh, of men in terms of tradition to say well i've done a b and c now i don't have to deal with anything maybe i'm still wrestling with in my heart i'm just going to continue to do this and i'm going to take communion and i'm going to church and i'm going to and we just feel like okay this is everything's okay but i'm not going to deal with this god's like see this isn't what he's after he's after your heart to say I'm really wrestling with what I used to do, or I'm really wrestling maybe with still what's going on in my heart, but I feel so bad that I'm struggling with it, right? But there has to be an honesty in all that. I mean, some of us have this vision of ourselves It's like, yeah, I I got saved. From what? Well, I just used to say naughty words. Now I don't say naughty words anymore. Is that it? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, we have a very wrong view of ourselves. Because when you understand that there is still a struggle, it keeps you humble, right? And you need to keep that to understand the power of grace. But if somehow you make yourself complete by doing certain things and never dealing with this, you're actually never dealing with the root issue. Yeah, our sin is a little deeper than naughty words. Like, you were saved from death. Your sin meant death. All have sinned, and all carry the same judgment without forgiveness, right? It's a if. This enables us to be the body in the way he meant to, that we are humble and can encourage one another and not judge one another when we're struggling, but to sit here and pour grace and mercy and to help people overcome. But I think the unspoken message is, I can't really talk to anybody about this. That's a lie straight from the pit of hell. Straight from the pit of hell. This is the one place you must be able to share and to confess your sin, right? In order to be helped and encouraged. And know that this confession, this work, this moving past shame is going to be a tool, a powerful tool to demonstrate the pattern of Jesus for other people that can see of what you used to be and now you are. And it speaks life into the darkness. They don't need it to hear how good you are, but they need it to see where you've come from. You see... Romans 5, 6 says this. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But, here's another but, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him, For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Do you hear the same message? Don't be full of yourself. Don't get full of yourself. Don't get full of self-righteousness. He died for you when you were an enemy. He didn't die for you because you were a little righteous. It's okay, you get it. I'll die for you. He died for you because you were a sinner and your destination was hell. And by the glory and mercy and goodness of God, we were saved. And now that you are reconciled, he's like, man, imagine the life that can be experienced in the light of your past. And it's this that brings the magnitude of God's love and glory to the present. I was an enemy. And this is what I did, but not anymore because Jesus Christ died for me, a sinner. The church, I believe, has to get a hold of this once again, of what it really means that Christ died for sinners and that we were sinners and we still struggle with sin. But we have the hope of victory and overcoming, but in the trenches, we cannot bear shame, which keeps us actually more in bondage because the church can't deal with it. They can't handle hearing things that are outside of their comfort zone. No, We have to be a place where we trust in the mercy of God. We know his truth. We know what sin is, but we are honest enough to say, I'm struggling. Can you pray for me and help me, right? Because we don't want to stay there. We want to move, don't we? Bring people along with you. Your testimony is a weapon. Here's another big issue for all of us in terms of our purpose. We are seeing right now, in America, a very post-Christian world, right? Not, 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 it's post-Christian. It's not non-Christian. It's post It's like, no more of that, right? And what we're seeing is that the enemy knows what he's doing. The enemy is actually dismantling this whole idea of sin. So, if there's no sin, there's no need for a savior, right? So, if there's no sin, what's the need for Jesus? Well, he's my friend, okay? But is he your savior? Well, no. You see, it's he's systematically doing this. Is he's removing this whole notion of sin? Now, God's just your buddy. God doesn't really have a standard. And so, all right, Genesis 3, 1. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say that? Do you really believe the Bible? Do you really believe? That that was just written by a bunch of dudes. You must not eat from the tree in the garden, any tree in the garden. So he's, he's messing with her, but again, he's getting to the root of God's command, saying, don't do that, because God had to give us free will, but he knew that that act of disobedience would ruin everything. But the enemy is like, no, 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 no. Did he really say that? That's messed up. That's, that's Neanderthal thinking. That's, that's cluelessness that's hateful that's ignorant right it's a it's this giant voice now being spoken so the bible does it you came not say well the bible says i don't care i don't even believe in the bible anymore right because america used to be a place where at least there was there was a morality kind of dictating society whether they were christian or not right now it's like bye-bye that pandora's box has been opened But you see, the real trick is that as this generation comes up and everything is allowed, everything is okay, there's no sense of right and wrong, then why in the world would you need a Savior? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. He didn't say all that. But she still knew that's the tree we can't. And now watch what he says. You will not certainly die. That's a lie. Look how pretty it is. Look how beautiful it is. God could have made that tree like with shriveled up prunes and just nasty leaves crinkled up and it's all bent, looks like a Charlie Brown Christmas tree, you know, just something you would never want to touch. But no, he's like, I'm going to make it beautiful. But I'm telling you, that's not, that's not my will. My command is don't do that. And the enemy says, oh, no, you should do it. You're not going to die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows That when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You know what this sounds like? You are here to live your own truth. You are God. How do you live by your own truth? Well, you have to make it up for yourself. That means you are the author of truth, you are God. You can say what's good and evil because you're God. Don't let anyone else tell you that that's death. No, 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 no. You live according to what is true for you. And that is the society we are living in. And in that society now, something happens. Well, let me read first Galatians 5.19. And he is writing to a messed up, Greco-Roman society that was so immoral that it even made the pagans sick as written by pagan historians, not Christian historians. I mean, it was out of control. He says this, The acts of the flesh, that which is counter God's will, are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, Debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this receive it as their truth and have no conviction to even change. These will not inherit the kingdom of God because they are not of God. Many of these we could say, oh, well, yeah, this, this seems like America. <laughs> but there's some things in here we may still justify. And I'm making the case for all of us that we cannot forget where we've come from, who we still are. But in Christ, we have the hope of escaping this and living for him. But the world right now is saying, hey, as long as it's for, it's for you, it's okay to hate someone if they've wronged you. Jealousy is a little okay, because that'll motivate you. Let other success motivate you. Desire what they have, right? Aspire to be that, or even more than that, right? See, it's idolatry, it's self-love. And when self becomes worshiped, everything is permissible, when you live by faith, when you live by faith in yourself, guess what? Anything is justifiable. And this is where we're at. Now watch 2 Timothy 3.1. But know this, that in the last days, which we are in, last days started as soon as Jesus ascended, perilous times will come. For men, here it is, will be lovers of themselves. That's it. The root of all sin comes from that. What did Satan say to Eve? You, you will be like God. You. You love yourself enough, you'll eat that fruit. Watch what he says. Now, because of that, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving. Unforgiving, slanderers, without self control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Is it resonating? But we live now in a society where all of this is just perfectly acceptable. Man, we eat it for lunch, some of these shows that just totally is all about slander and unloving and unforgiveness and pleasure. It's entertainment. Ooh, juicy. It's like dismissed, right? But it's like that slow boil. I don't even know if it's true, but you put a frog in water and you just slowly heat it up and then it, it, then it just boils to death, but it's a slow burn. I heard that's not true, but I'm still using it. <laughs> kind of like the giant pill. <laughs> hey, whatever Whatever gets this in your mind, you know. Now, this is important because of all that. Watch what he says, and this is the most important part of the verse to me. Having a form of godliness. Having a form or a pattern of godliness, but denying its power, power, but denying its authority. Meaning, I live how I choose to live, but I still love God. I want to thank God when I get my Grammy. I want to thank God when... Whatever good happens, but it's not a real form. He goes, and from such people turn away because it's dangerous, because it robs the gospel of its power. We are living in a time now where I guarantee, maybe some of you have been in a church like this, but there are churches out there who say they are Christian, but there's no sin. There's no sin. It's these progressive churches. It's like, yeah, Jesus is there. He's your friend. He's your God. He's there for you. But has nothing, has nothing to do with repentance and owning the fact that I need a savior. Own your truth. Come in. We're not judgmental. Be how you are. Live your truth. But man, let's praise Jesus. That's not the gospel. You know, it's so sneaky. Because it says Jesus. (laughs) No, we can't do anything about that. But what we can do is actually be the right pattern. Meaning we own who we were, right? We own the places that we have come from to say, the real Jesus rescued me from that. He didn't empower me to live in it or give me the pat on the back to say, no, 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 don't care what the Bible says. They're misinterpreting it anyway. Go ahead. Jesus is for you. Because love is love. Jesus loved. Yeah, but can we actually dissect that for a little bit? <laughs> if my love for my children was, I love you, so do whatever you want, would you say, I really love my child? No! Come on! But yet, that's the God everyone wants to create. doesn't matter what I do. Anyway, I'm not, we're not to be angry at that. We're to be alarmed. But see, if people don't see the pattern in us, if we're judging people in a way that says they're not worthy of hearing or seeing, we're guilty. Right. Guys, it's one thing to be alarmed and disappointed at seeing where you know our nation is going, but come on, government ain't gonna fix it. I'm telling you, government's not going to fix. It could help. It's not going to fix the problem. It's a heart problem. It's a sin problem. And we can complain and moan and say all these things, but it's a product of self-love. And until Jesus comes back, you know, it's just something that's going to always be growing and extending its fingers into society, trying to normalize things that should not be. And yes, we could be upset about it, but see, what you can do is actually Be the pattern. Paul was the pattern. Paul went into places that many of us would not want to go, given the lifestyles and what was happening. But he was a pattern. Jesus was a pattern. Your past is a pattern that will inspire and encourage and to bring the light of the gospel to the church. Do not be ashamed of it then you're falling into this mindset that isn't true. Do not be ashamed of it. It happened. Is there anything you can do about it? Is there anything you can do about it? No. No. Jesus did something about it. He redeemed you. So that you can look at that and say, the power of death did not win. But I want you to know what had a grip on me. So you can see how good my God is. I thought this was what I was born to be and to do and the world was telling me this is who I was. But then you know what? Jesus came and showed me this is not who I am. And I love you and understand you and understand what Jesus loves you. And I understand what you're going through. I understand a thought. I understand. But I'm not here to shame you. I'm here to welcome you into a relationship with Jesus who will give you a different definition of who you are. Look what he did for me, guys. But this this is like the this is real ministry. The world doesn't need more complainers. You know that? I mean, we're serious. There's so much complaint. I mean, it just. I mean, really, it's easy. We know it's a wreck, don't we? And the more we talk about it, doesn't change the fact that it's a wreck. And we pray that God intervenes and does. Whatever he needs to do to get people's attention, right? Because ultimately God is for eternity. And if the church has to suffer persecution, it's for the glory of God. But you have to own your own testimony. Because the darkness can't shut that up, can it? No, because darkness didn't win. Jesus won. And when we hang on to the reality that Jesus is the one that says old things are gone, old things have passed away, all things have become new, he means it. Don't be ashamed. It is power in the hands of God. Amen? Amen. Let this encourage you. Be as Paul. I was a mess, (laughs) y'all. These are the things I did. But now, because of God and His rich mercy and grace, I am God's. And that changes everything. Amen? Amen? Come on. Well, Jesus, thank you. Father, thank you for these words. Thank you for these things that are in plain sight, but yet we do not see. The depth, but I pray for each of us here today that first of all, Lord, we're reminded of our need for you. Lord, I pray for a humility in this room. Lord, that there would be like any type of self-righteousness would just be wiped away. That we'd all see ourselves as on our knees before you, saying, We were not worthy, but you considered us worthy. Worthy is the Lamb of God. Because without you, Jesus, we have no hope. So, Lord, may all of us adopt a humility that becomes the fuel that sends us into the world. We are not better than anybody else, Lord, because you came for sinners, and the world is full of them. You came for them. Let us not forget it. Thank you, Lord, for redeeming what we thought unredeemable. We thank you, Lord. You are our King and Lord, Father. You are our strength and our power. You're our comfort. Thank you, Jesus. You've been listening to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falaci, an Outreach of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. To contact Pastor Russ visit his website at russvalacci.com. Thanks for listening. And remember, an alive faith is an applied faith.